This is Raspberry Lemonade, the Arnold Palmer of podcasts, a refreshing dive into the stories of industry professionals, both sweet and sour. And now your host, Mr. Levi. Welcome back to Raspberry Lemonade. I have a very special guest on the show today. Give it up for Dakota Bailey from Indiana. What up? Say hi to the folks out there. What up, guys? Hope you're doing well. Happy to be here. Awesome to have you, man. Uh, I was telling you a little bit off air how this is kind of a first in a while. Haven't done a virtual interview in a minute, but I'm glad it's with you. I'm excited to chat it up with you and uh, see maybe what you know we could learn from you and uh, I don't know, maybe get into some deep stuff today. I always like yeah. to get deep with people on this podcast, so I hope you're prepared for that. I'm ready. Perfect, man. So let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. I'm Dakota Bailey. I uh, grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I am 29 years old. Uh, I guess I'll give you a little bit of history, um, tell you a little bit about my story. So uh, I grew up really extremely poor. In Indiana, everybody's kind of poor, you know, like no offense to everybody, but, you know, we're in the Midwest. Uh, so it's usually lower end. Um, I grew up, uh, you know, I was in foster care, uh, very low income. Um, and then we moved around a lot. Uh, I was a very rebellious kind of person, um, which I think has actually served me well in a lot of different ways of like, you know, I didn't just automatically assume that everybody knew what they're talking about. I'm going to go with the status quo of like, all right, here's how we're going to do things. I didn't just fall in line per se. I was more like, well, why are we doing that? And, uh, you know, ask questions a lot. So yeah, um, now got into uh, real estate probably about five and a half years ago. Um, I was a car salesperson before that, did uh, pretty dang well at car sales, um, and then got into real estate. And then now uh, run a company of, man, I think we got, I don't know, 10 people maybe. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been going real well. But if you want me to elaborate on any part of that, then I can uh, I can go deeper. But yeah, that's a, that's a real big picture view. There you go. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. No, we'll definitely get a little deeper on, uh, you know, maybe how, how how the company got started, you know, how things have been going. Um, yeah, actually, that's a pretty good uh, next question. I'm curious about how how was that transition from Carl Salesman to business owner? Because a lot of people that I'm talking to right now, and then I'm in that position personally, how, mm. you know, you were at a quote unquote, steady job or you had a steady paycheck. And all of a sudden, now that's not the case because of your own decision. So could you talk about a little bit about that, about maybe yeah. how it was in the early days and how you navigated that transition? Yeah, for sure, man. So uh, car sales was 100% commission. So I was already kind of in that environment a little bit of like you eat what you kill. Um, so I already kind of was primed for that of like, hey, I didn't have a whole lot of fear because it was based on your ability. That's what I really like about uh, a commission sales job is that is based on your ability. So then your income potential is whatever you want it to be. Um, so now I'm no longer capped. It's just like, all right, you do this and you can make this amount of dollars. And the more that I do, the more value that I provide, the more money that I can make. I really, really thrived off of that structure. And so that really got me comfortable with business. 
Um, there is a big difference. And I've been explaining this to sales guys. There's a big difference in you. If you don't sell anything, you don't get paid. You know, that's scary for a lot of people. To me, I was like, all right, hey, I'm willing to accept that. I know I'm going to be able to produce. I'm okay with that. There's a big difference in business. Now you're spending money to hopefully get paid. You're not just, all right, here's my basis at zero. If I don't sell anything, I don't get paid. It's like, no, I'm putting money out there and I'm hoping it comes back. It's a way different emotional feeling. So, uh, but I do think that car sales primed me for it. Um, so the transition basically happened where uh, I was selling cars. Uh, my business partner uh, actually said, hey, read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure that a lot of people have read that. If you're in real estate at all, you've probably read that book. If not, you need to read that book. It will change your perspective on the way that you look at life. Um, but read that book, started reading a lot of different books, listened to Bigger Pockets, all that stuff. Um, and then eventually a guy reached out to me and uh, it was a friend of mine. And he's like, hey, you seem to be doing pretty well at car sales. Have you ever thought about uh, flipping houses? I'm like, yep, thought about it for a little while. Now I've been reading books about it for two years. I'm like, but if I'm going to do that, I want my business partner. Now my business partner is my best friend at the time, uh, Tony, to be a part of it because he's the one who introduced me to the books. So, uh, you know, we all met up. We've, you know, bought our first property. We put out some bandit signs and we're like, all right, you know, we buy houses. And then I took the phone call, got that deal. So transitioning from there, you know, we just kind of ramped up the company. We bought out the partner that actually uh, wanted to partner up with me very early. Um, so it was just me and Tony most of the time. And then when I was getting out of car sales, I actually just left car sales April. Actually, man, that's crazy. It would have been about two years ago today. So that's insane. Oh, wow. So what, what pulled me out of car sales was we were building this at the same time. So I'm maintaining both jobs. I was doing very well at car sales and I was maintaining this on the side. Um, and then it got to the point and, uh, this took away some of my fear, uh, was it got to the point where car sales started going down and then I was no longer able to be the top guy. I wasn't able to produce because this was taking off so much that I couldn't know. I could no longer produce at the same level that I really wanted to. And so for me, it felt like, uh, you know, we were in a meeting and, all of the guys like, you know, we're going over stats, All right? Who called who, who did what, you know, we do that, you know, once a week or sometimes daily. And in this meeting, they were just like, Hey, uh, Dakota, you're the only one that didn't make these phone calls yesterday or whatever. And I was like, all right, it was, that was the day that I left because I will not be known for, you know, not getting my stuff done. I won't be known for like, not, not doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, I don't need to be the top sales guy every single month, but I'll never not do what my roles and responsibility are. And I don't want to be known for that. So I was like, hey, I can no longer do this. So that's when I decided to leave and then transition out. Man, okay. Yeah, that was kind of like a wake up call, call for you. It's like, I guess it's time to now focus on on, on real estate, right? Yep, for that's sure. Exactly what it sounds like. Uh, so as far as, you know, starting this real estate business, was this your first business venture? <laughs> kind of. So before car sales, uh, I did landscaping. So as a landscaper, I was working for another guy. I was mowing lawns, you know, doing hardscapes and stuff. So I did open up my own business doing landscaping because I thought, man, I just knew in high school, I really wanted to own a business. I didn't exactly know why. It's just always been a dream of mine. So I was like, man, I always wanted to own a business. So I did open up a landscaping business and I found that I didn't really enjoy doing that. And it was a little bit more work than I thought. Um, so that was the first business that I ever opened up was the landscaping business. But yeah, after that, I went into car sales, which honestly felt as if it was my own business. I'm underneath of an umbrella. You know, Hyundai is where I sold cars at. 
So, but it still felt like it was my business because their interaction is with me. I'm just like, you know, have Hyundai to bring in the customers. And then it felt like I was running uh, my own business in that sense. Um, So yes, I did open up another business, but this is the first, you know, real business that done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And the reason I asked that is because a lot of people have that fear going into a business venture, right? Where Mm -hmm. they've never done it before. Right. Or maybe they've tried stuff in the past and it hasn't really worked out. And there's that kind of little sense of, of fear because you have no real proof of concept yet. So what's 100%. maybe one little piece of advice that you could give to someone in that situation that's looking to make that jump, but maybe isn't completely sure if they should. Man, I got a lot on that. So <laughs> Good. <laughs> fear, fear is the main thing that holds people back on doing anything. Um, there's a lot of people who have knowledge enough to do certain things. So, you know, you have like, there's a lot more people who have more knowledge than me in real estate per se, that I'm doing more than because of the, my lack of fear and my, my confidence. Um, so I think that fear is going to hold a lot of people back. And I have this quote and I say this quote, you've heard me say this quote. Um, but fear is an emotion and courage is a choice. And so it's okay to feel fear and you can still decide to go forward with it anyway. Um, so that's the first thing that I'll say. The second is like, give confidence comes from self-trust. So if you do the things that you say you're going to do, you now trust yourself that you're going to be able to accomplish that. So do things that are uh, incongruent with who you are and that you say you're going to do. The more you do that, the more confident that you'll become, the less that you will have, uh, you know, that uh, self doubt in your head. Cause if you ever said, Hey, I'm going to start a diet and then you don't do it. Guess what? Now you just, you just broke trust with yourself. Now, when you say you're going to do something, you now trust yourself less. I have very high confidence because I have very high trust in what I say I'm going to do. I actually do it. Um, and I would say that's probably about 95% of the time. Now, sometimes the time frame of which I thought I was going to be able to accomplish it is different but I still am on par with everything that I say that I'm going to do. Not everything. I don't like to use that word, everything, but most of what I say that I'm going to do. So those are the two things is one fear is an emotion. Courage is a choice. And two, uh, do things that will give you that confidence. Um, just whatever it is that you say you're going to do, continue to do it. That is solid advice right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I I can personally attest that. Yeah, that it's true. You know, the days that I've felt most crappy is because I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it. Yep. And literally the only person that's responsible for that is myself. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Those days suck, man. It's funny that, uh, you know, a lot of times people feel as if, Oh man, if I just, you know, if I have to do all these things, I'm going to be so drained. I'm the exact opposite. The times that I feel drained are was when there's something that I was supposed to do and I'm just avoiding it, man. And I don't do it. When I knock it out, dude, I have so much energy. So it's interesting to me that we think that energy is going to be depleted when realistically, when you just do exactly what you say you're going to do, your your energy goes up. It's 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 crazy how it works. But I feel most depleted when I accomplish nothing for the day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said, man. Um, what do you say we go on to the next part of the podcast? Uh, we like to get deep, like I mentioned in the beginning. So we like to ask our guests to tell us a little bit about their their background, you know, their story. You touched a little bit, you know, in the beginning, mm. but 
maybe tell us a little bit about what a young Dakota was like. What was that sure. growing? What was it growing up as a young Dakota? What did you experience? And I'll have a, another question after that. Yeah. Well, I'm actually so the crazy thing is I'm writing a book based like the last thing when they with that self publishing. Nice. So I'm gonna write a book. Yeah. So I'm gonna write a book, and this is basically how I'm gonna start off was with my earliest memories. So that's how I want to start this off is like my earliest memory is me when I was five or six years old. Um, and I know you've heard the story because you heard me speak on stage, but I, I'm getting off the bus um, and I'm walking up to the house and uh, my, my little sister um, is at the house because she wasn't old enough to you know go to school. And then my older sister is with me as well. My parents are gone um, and my aunt is there and I'm like, okay, like where's mom and dad. And um, I found out, then my aunt told us that, you know, my dad almost killed my mom, like beat her really bad, shot at her, um, ripped the toilet out of the freaking ground and then hit her with it. Um, so she was in the hospital and he's in jail. So um, in that moment, uh, that changed, that changed like a part of me. And uh, it changed the way that I view myself. Um, and it's very interesting. I basically felt is in that moment that's like, hey, it's time to step up and uh, be the man, you know, for, for your sisters. Like, you need to take care of them. You need to make sure that they're protected. And so then I kind of got that, like, all right, you're going to figure it out. And you're going to, like, you know, you're going to make sure that they have everything that they need. And so that changed a big part of me to where, like, I felt like the protector in that moment. And it changed, like, uh, yeah, just so much of who I am today from that event. And it's crazy how how these events that happened in our childhood, they will affect everything that happens, whether good or bad, everything. The reason that you are the way you are is usually stuff that happened between, you know, five and 12 years old. Um, so most of your thoughts, your beliefs, we, we uh, um, become who we are from those things. So just keep that in mind. And like it creates programs for you. It can be benefit. It can also be a detriment and it can be both at the same time. So while that seems admirable of like, oh yeah, you know, you became the provider and, you know, like protector and stuff. There's other negatives that came along with that, um, which I'm going to get into actually here. So after that, um, you know, my mom gets out of the hospital. She finds a new boyfriend. We're staying like an apartment or something. Um, and the reason that my dad was so upset was because I think my mom was with this other guy and uh, um, she was taking us kids and saying, hey, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. Um, you know, there's a lot of drugs and alcohol and stuff involved in both of their lives. But uh, my mom gets a new boyfriend and, you know, that that boyfriend uh, then molests my little sister. And so um, at that time, that also took a big hit on me uh, because, you know, I'm supposed to be the person to protect them. And so that that right. then hindered my relationship with my sister as well. Um, and then we ended up going in foster care after that, because, you know, I told, uh, we had a big brother, big sister, and we told them what was going on and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, um, we get into foster care and, uh, yeah, just some stuff happened with my mom. Like, I don't know if she didn't uh, believe us all the way, or, you know, uh, didn't really want to leave this guy, but she just kept sneaking around with him. So then what happened is like my trust in the person that's supposed to protect me, uh, kind of got broken. Um, not kind of, it did get broken. And so then I, again, like I took that and that helped me to now realize like, okay, um, you know, not everybody's always going to be there for you. You can figure it out. 
And like, I, again, felt that like need to protect myself. So then we get back with my mom and my mom was, uh, yeah, just felt, and this is not actually accurate because I love my mom, but it felt like she was manipulating me. And so then that got me very good at reading people. I got very good at understanding like, hey, they want me to think this certain way. They're, they're trying to get me to be this certain person or to dislike this certain person. I could tell by their language. She was very good at it. Um, so that taught me how to read people and how to uh, really decipher truth and feel as if they were doing something to me. So, but what that also did is it, it made me not trust women as much. So I had a, a great distrust in women, but it also gave me a lot of benefits of the sense that like now I know how to read people. I know how to make sure that I'm doing like, you know, what I want to do. And I know how to like, you know, step up and be, you know, the man. Uh, so it taught me a lot of lessons and then also gave me a lot of baggage. So it's interesting how both can happen at the same time. So no matter what happens, you know, there's usually good and bad that you can take from any scenario. And it's really your choice because it's, it's not like, oh, this happened to me. And then now I'm this way. It's like, no, this happened. And I can change. I don't have to stay this way. I don't have to like, you know, not trust women or not do these things. It's like, no, this happened. This is why you think the way you think. And it, it it's there's a difference in understanding about why somebody thinks the way that they think and accepting that they think that way. You're not a victim to your circumstances. You can change. You can decide that, no, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I understand why I think that way, but now I want to think differently. Um, so, yeah, I just want to encourage people from that. But yeah, basically from there, you know, I, uh, that was, you know, all happened. I uh, went back with my mom. She got the uh, news, my stepdad. We argued a lot. We got in some fights and stuff, but moved to my dad when I was 14. And then, uh, yeah, went, went to high school, got a lot of trouble, got kicked out. I uh, graduated at 17 because I went through alternative school, got in a lot of trouble. And then, yeah, then I went into landscaping and then, uh, sales and then real estate. Man. I can't wait to read that book. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting too. And thank you for sharing that that stuff because I, I think a lot of people out there, you know, are scared to share their story. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, it's there's like a huge power that comes from sharing your story, especially experiences that you know that you've gone through that i mean let's just say it like they were terrible you yeah. know and uh no, no kid should have to go through that kind of experience but i love how you said that you decide as an individual how you're going to take those experience and how you're going to react to it essentially and like you said don't be the victim you know you decide if you're going to get strengths from those experiences or if you're going to go and hide in your shell. So, and I want to be very clear. You can be the victim of a situation, but Mm -hmm. you cannot, you don't have to be, and you are not a victim in general. So were, were you victimized in a situation? Yeah, maybe possibly, but that doesn't make you a victim. They they're no longer here. My mom no longer, you know, has that control over my life. It's not my mom's responsibility to fix my relationships with women or my relationships or anything. That's my responsibility. So regardless of how or why it happened, you could be a victim of a situation. You know, if somebody gets raped, they're 100% a victim in that situation, but they're not a victim. That person's not still there. 
you have to, you have a responsibility to work through your emotions because like, yeah, like you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay where you're at. Exactly. Exactly. You said it perfectly, man. Uh, again, thank you for sharing that. Thank you so, so much for yeah. opening up. Um, I'd like to go on to the business side of things now. That's okay with you. Absolutely, man. We like whatever you want. Yes. What's that? I said whatever you want. <laughs> Why am I the way that I am? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's for me to find out. Uh, no, as far as business goes, what has been maybe a specific story or a specific struggle? We like to call it a sour story here on the show where it was mm. something that you had to overcome or may maybe even it's still happening. I don't know anything like that, that you could share with the audience. And the reason I like to ask this question is to really show that no matter at what level we are with our, you know, financial goals, business goals, whatever that may be, we're all going through something, right. Or have gone through something that tested our limits. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, man, I mean, realistically for us, we've honestly had no problems at all the whole entire time we've been in business. So everything's been great. Crystal clear. Yep. Rainbows yep. and all that. <laughs> yeah. um, there's tons of money and then everybody just wants to give us all the money. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's, man, we, so many, so many stories pop up. I bet. Um, I'll give you two two big ones. So one was when we were in our early days, um, and that was when we were going to buy a six-unit apartment complex in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, we were just like, dude, you know, there's the numbers make so much sense. I think we bought it for like $55,000. It's like, dude, that's got to be a deal. Um, and, yeah, we bought the property. It was in like a really bad part of Toledo. Oh, like yeah. we, we invest in like, you know, maybe not the greatest part of Fort Wayne, like, you know, what, what other people would call the hood, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's not that bad. Honestly, Toledo was pretty rough. Like I was like, dang. So we thought that, you know, we're like, all right, whatever we can take it on. We can handle it. It's two and a half hours away from us. We're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Toledo, Ohio is about two, two and a half hours away. So we bought this property. We couldn't get anybody out there. It needed a lot of rehab. Um, it was so much square footage. The tenants were very difficult to get, um, like, qualified. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, there was there was heating issues. So, like, you know, the the heating, they, they were all new HVACs in each unit. Well, apparently they didn't have the right sort of, like, outflow. So then, like, the guests could be getting carbon monoxide poisoning by the people who put it in before us. Oh no. Oh man. Yeah. So then the gas or the gas line wasn't hooked up properly. So we paid a guy. This is when we first started off. So it was a lot of money for us too. The guy came out there for the gas line. Uh, Tony was actually meeting him out there because I was still working at the dealership. Tony was like uh, 15 minutes late. The guy's like, yeah, I already looked at it. It's 2,200 bucks. Uh, oh, just for him. <laughs> $2,200 just because he looked at it. Not because he did anything. He's like, yeah, wow. I checked it out. 2,200 bucks. And then Tony just wrote him a check. I'm like, what? Kate goes on. Then we finally get some tenants and the roof starts leaking. Um, and it's leaking on one of our tenants daughter's bed. And we're like, dude, this is not us. We're not slumlords. Like we let's fix it. 
We pay a guy $5,000 to go out there, fix it, patch it. He says he did it. He never did anything. Wow. Uh, dude, it was a mess. Uh, we ended up selling it. I think we either netted out or we lost a little bit of money after rent and everything. So that was one of the first worst experiences that we had. Um, and yeah, I got another story if you want it, but that was oh, a long absolutely. One. But real quick, the, that, that seems like it was just one thing after another, back to back, right? Like you, it was like you were, uh, yeah, you had a bucket with holes and you're like covering one and then, you know, yep. there's, there's a whole lot more that happened that I'm not even like sharing, but yeah, there was tons and tons, <laughs> and, tons and tons of problems with, with that property. Oh man. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's hear the, the next one. I'm, I'm curious to hear that one. Yeah. So this one happened, uh, probably about a year ago. Um, and so Basically, it's something that I've never experienced before, but, you know, we brought on the acquisitions guy. So the acquisitions guy is just locking up deals. So then he's locking up these deals and, uh, you know, we're in the middle of like, you know, 15, 20 flips. So our burn rate, we're spending like $50,000 a week just in construction. So we're like, all right, burning through some money. But that happens when you're rehabbing that many properties. We have like $120,000, $110,000 on credit cards. And our private money lenders are tapped out. We got like, you know, a couple million dollars that we borrowed from them. And I have all my money invested in the company as well. So I have like, I don't know, I think like $250,000 at the time. And I'm like, dude, we're about a couple weeks away from not having any more money. And these properties are slowing down on selling a little bit. So I was just flipping out. While all this is going on, our acquisitions guy who's 100% commission is continuing to close more deals. We have a million dollars worth of properties that we're supposed to purchase within the next 30 days that we committed to. We're spending 50,000 a week and we already have all this debt. I'm I'm tapped out. So Jeez. dude, I'm flipping out. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And like, I just, you know, I couldn't sleep very well because I'm like, dude, I don't know what we're gonna do. Um, so yeah, that was a time when I was probably one of my most stressed times. And like a lot of people, you know, this is actually, you know, this is something that I, I tell other people i've talked to like my sister and stuff and she's like you know like i just want to be comfortable i'm like well when you say comfortable what do you mean by that she's like you know like i just you know don't want to have to worry about you know money or anything i'm like you think you think i'm comfortable with money she's like oh yeah i mean you know i know you work hard so i know you're not comfortable you know like you work hard i'm like no you think i'm comfortable financially she's like yeah i know you are you know i'm like oh okay well hey let me explain this situation to you that's where i'm at so it's funny to me that money problems, we all have money problems, whether you're a millionaire or whether you're freaking like, you know, can't, you can't afford to buy your food. We all have money problems, just different money problems. So I was experiencing money problems. I was freaking out about money. We needed a ton of money and I couldn't find, figure out a way to do it. So it's interesting how the emotions that the person feels whenever they can't afford to go buy their groceries is the same emotions that I'm feeling whenever I'm at this level where I'm like, ah, we can't come up with it. I'm feeling the same kind of anxieties and stuff. So the nicest thing or the coolest thing about entrepreneurship is it's the greatest self-development journey that you'll ever go on because you get more experience with feeling those emotions and figuring out how you're gonna deal with them. So all I did was got really good at figuring out how I'm gonna regulate my emotions to make the most logical decision. Last thing that I'll say on that is if you guys do end up reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, he has a game called Cash Flow. Cash Flow basically teaches you how to invest. I played this with my girlfriend the other day and uh, I said, You know what's interesting? You know what the only difference between cash flow and real life is? Emotion. 
We have an emotional attachment to the money that we're scared to invest it. The principles, the logic is the same. It's the emotion that actually trips us up. Wow. Damn. <laughs> That's true. That's crazy. I actually have the game here if you're ever in LA and want to play it. So. Let's go, dude. I play it a lot. I love that game. It is fun because like, for me, I'm just like, it's like, you know, it's it's simple algebra, dude. It's eighth grade algebra. It's so fun. Yeah. But damn, you dropped, some, you dropped a huge bomb right there. Emotion is what gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. That, that's what I'm taking away from, from this this interview, man. Like, learn to releg, releg, relegate, regulate, <laughs> regulate your emotions better. All right. Yep. A hundred percent, dude, because... Uh, I tell people this and they think I'm joking, but like, I'm be- I think I told you guys this when I was out to dinner, uh, that, that day in uh, Hollywood, um, I feel like it's all fake money. It's all fake to me in my head. It is literally fake. And like, that's the only way that I can make these logical movements. And like, it just feels like a game to me. All right, man, that's strategy. All right, what are we going to do? We put this in, we're going to get this out. Like it's now strategy game and I not become emotionally attached to the money. I also believe, you know, I I think you're a Christian as well. I also believe, you know, Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and love money. I don't love money, man. Like I like it's fun and I like to make money and we we do well, but it's not like I have an emotional attachment to it to where now it's part of my identity. I need it. It's like, dude, this is a game. Like we're playing a game here. It's just it's all it's all just fun. And there's some great things that you can do with money. Um, but at the same time, like for me, it is fake in my mind. I know that sounds weird to people, but that's, what's really helped me a lot, um, in order to make logical moves is play the game, play it well. That's it. No, I think that's a good perspective and something I'm going to try to implement myself. Cause yeah, it's true. You know, games are fun, but I mean, this is the game of life essentially. Like, you know, it's a lot of the same rules apply or don't apply rather, you know, there's a lot of kind of ways to get to the destination that you're looking for. For sure. Yeah. All right. Now we like to ask our guests the opposite side of the coin. So a Mm. sweet story. What's been so far, one of your kind of like, I'm on top of the world stories. Yeah, man. So I, I've thought a lot about like my, my purpose and the reason of why, you know, I exist um, and like why God put me here. And so that's something that I would, I would say is very important. I also have different values that I spell out. But if you know your purpose, it's easier to make decisions based on, you know, hey, like, is this aligned with who I am and where I'm going or it doesn't? You know, there's great opportunities. So part of my purpose and what I believe like I'm here for is to empower people to use their God given gifts. I believe that I can see things in people that they don't necessarily like they know it's there, but maybe they don't have the confidence in order to do it. So I will lend the confidence. So my biggest like, man, we're on top of the world moments are when I help people who didn't think that they could do something, accomplish something that they've never been able to accomplish before. So like my business partner um, in one of our first deals, he was about to back out. He was about to be out of the company, actually. And uh, I ended up lending him the money for my personal money, like, no, dude, you're staying in this deal. He stayed in and like, now he's, uh, he's a millionaire because he stayed in the deal. And because he put in a lot of other work and did the things, but like his confidence wasn't there. And like, that was a spot where I'm like, dude, that made me feel really good. Um, 
we have a 19 year old kid. Uh, he's 20 now, but he was 19 when he started. He made $177,000 last year. He was in high school while he was doing part of this. And then he just came in and crushed it, man. He never did anything. He, we saw him with a broken foot where he's working in a trailer factory. And then I taught him everything that I knew about sales, about all this stuff. And he made more than I've ever made my entire sales career um, in his first year in sales. So that to me was like a pinnacle, a height. I didn't even know we could pay people that much money. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. But we paid him a percentage of the profit when we got the money. But I'm like, I can't believe that we were able to pay somebody that. Um, there's people like uh, um, Ryan's who I've worked with now for seven years. He was at the dealership. He was, uh, you know, the porter who's cleaned the cars and stuff. We worked together. Then he started doing construction. And he's like, dude, I want to come and, uh, um, you know, work in work around some positive people. And then now he's like a transaction coordinator who's like freaking running everything. Um, and I don't even think he knows, you know, that he was, I knew, like I said, I know he knew he's capable of it, but now he's just doing things that um, makes him happier. And so to me, it's just like getting people who want better for their lives, helping them to accomplish that and then experience growth. Like that's what I believe that I'm here for. And what I believe I do very well is like find people figure out where they want to go and then help them get there. That's wonderful, man. Yeah. And I, I think you have, you have a very lively personality, man. Like that's one thing that I appreciate about you. And I'm just going to put it out there. If anyone hasn't met Dakota, like you have to find a way to get in the room with him because <laughs> his positivity is absolutely contagious. And I'm, I'm just speaking for myself here, you know, like, you you how do i put this i feel seen when i'm around you man and i think that's super important for a lot of people so thank yeah. you yeah thank you man i appreciate that i was thinking this i was just thinking i was like you're such like a chill dude and so then i'm like i'm like ah! and you're just like hi i like that so next question i'm like, <laughs> I'm like dude, I'm you know what you know what it is i think when i'm nervous i come off as chill so yeah. now you know my secret. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, dude, that's so funny. Because like, I am, I'm usually very uh, high energy. Like I could be calm and stuff too. But most of the time, if you get me talking about growth or about people or about like purpose, yep. dude, I just get passionate. Like, I mean, it's it's something that means a lot to me and like values and empowering people. Like, dude, that 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 means more to me than than anything. So yeah, it's just, it's very important. So I get right. passionate. Yeah, no, I get that, man. I, I I think it's become the whole me being chill, quote unquote, is kind of a bit of a, what do you call that? When you're trying to like protect yourself, mm. defense mechanism, there you go. Mm -hmm. Because I know if I get nervous and I start talking really fast and I'm, I, then I start saying too much. Ah. So I'm going to learn to tone it down, slow it down so that every word I say is it's intentional or at least try to be. Mm -hmm. but um it's okay. i think it's okay too to talk really fast dude i got a really funny story actually so there's this one time i was sitting in a sauna and uh, i'm talking to this guy it's a longer story than this but basically i'm talking to the guy we start talking about growth or something i get really excited passionate i start talking excuse me i talk i start talking fast and i start talking exactly how i'm talking now where i get excited i'm like man and he's like hey could you you know just calm down a little bit and i was like i was like sure and then i i in that moment, I'm thinking like, okay, 
am I doing this because I care about the person or am I doing this because I'm being told what to do? Is this my ego flaring up or am I actually like, you know, just want to care about him? Is, is he saying this to have control over me or is his head actually hurting? I was like, in all these mental games, but either way, it's just kind of funny how like, yeah, I mean, be you dude. Like, that's what I always tell people is like, I never want to influence on who you should be or are uh, either. So I'm, 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 Dude, I, I love it when people are exactly who they are. So I think a lot of times people want to be a certain way or pre perceived a certain way. Whereas I'm just like, dude, I'm going to be me. Perceive me how you want to be. I'm going to continue to to do what I feel is right and what's pleasing to like my God. Um, and, you know, if it doesn't please you, I, I understand. And it is what it is. That's it. Yeah, if you don't, if you want to be my friend, great. If not, then great too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll still be nice to you, even if you don't want to be my friend. Exactly. I love it, man. Okay, we're at the last part of the podcast now. Woo! And I like this question specifically because I'm a huge music geek. I don't know how much you know, but a little background: I did, you know, music in elementary and middle school. Um, and after high school, I was actually able to go back to my middle school and be a drumline director. So music Whoa. is just very, yeah, it was a great That's time. Awesome. And uh, music is just very important to me. And like I experience music, I think at a different level than most people, especially when it's live. I just get lost in it, right? Wow. So just kind of as a context to this question, if you had to choose your current live soundtrack, one song. What song would that be? Live soundtrack. Dang, man, that's gonna be difficult. Well, your well, your current live soundtrack, right? Kind of like maybe, you know, a certain feeling that you've been feeling lately. A song that might relate, or maybe a song that inspires you. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Um, this tends to be the most difficult question out of the whole <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. So there's one. Uh, yeah, I got I got the one that like really hits me hard and that I really like. It's called Destiny by NF. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Why, why do you like that song? Um, so really, he talks like, you know, he's like, I'm just fulfilling my destiny. Um, and, you know, again, I believe in God. And so I believe that uh, I was just actually reading last night, um, uh, just a devotional that I do. Uh, and he talks about um, the works, the good works that were set beforehand for us to do. And so for me, I think about that. I'm like, okay, so God set a predestined good work for me that I can basically like that he set for me to do. The interesting thing about that is that, you know, something's predestined, but then also you have free will, you know, like I can choose whether or not I do those things. So it's interesting to me that like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where like, you know, you felt like it was God led and then, or sometimes you, you felt like you were supposed to do something that you didn't do. Um, and so to me, that feels like, feels like an opportunity where God put a gift there, um, or a good deed and I chose not to do it. So for me, yeah, it just feels like, you know, I'm here for a reason and I believe that everybody else is here too. Um, and I believe that, you know, you're born to do something great with your life and God does have a purpose for you. Uh, and so, yeah, um, for me, it's just like, yeah, that's just, I'm fulfilling my destiny. I love it, man. We're, well, I'm definitely going to look it up. I don't think I've heard that song oh, before. Dude, just wait, bro. You're going to love it. Wonderful. 
Okay. What what genre is it? Out of curiosity. It's rap. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So it's so it's a Christian rap. Um. Yeah, dude. It's 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 freaking awesome. Um. Yeah, it's got some uh, like, what do you call that? Like, whenever a bunch of people are singing together, like an orchestra or whatever. Yeah, choir orchestra. Like, there's just like, like you know, it sounds like you know, back in the ancient times. Like, I don't know if you ever played God of War or whatever. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, like it's got crazy. a lot of that stuff <laughs> in it. Opera. Yeah, and it's just like nice. sick, dude. It's got a nice build up, but yeah, I really, really like that song. Wonderful, man. Definitely gonna look it up, and we'll put a piece of it in in the uh, you know the recording as well, so people can hear a piece of it. Let's go, um, dude. That's that's it, man. You know, last thing that we'd like to ask the guests to share is just where can people find you, man, on online? Yeah, so you can find me uh, on Instagram. It's Dakota Bailey dot in. Uh, Facebook is just my name, Dakota Bailey. Uh, I just started a TikTok, so it's it's all gonna be similar stuff there. But yeah, mostly Instagram and Facebook are where I am most active. Uh, we have a podcast as well, the Tony and Dakota Podcast. Um, if yeah, if you guys want to learn how to flip properties, we have a course for that. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Wonderful. We'll have all that in the description for everyone listening today or watching, depending on what platform you're on today. But thank you again, Dakota, for coming on. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. And may you continue to spread positivity as you do. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate you and uh, appreciate you having me on and hopefully provided some value for everybody. Absolutely. Everyone else, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another episode of Raspberry Lemonade signing off. Have a great one. This has been a Redbird Studio Productions. Hope you've enjoyed the program.